In this simple message, we are encouraged to share the gospel and do the supernatural. This is the great commission given to all believers. We share a single concept of operation which is centered around the person, presence and power of Jesus Christ. We point to the person, we follow his presence and we demonstrate his power. Um this morning I want to talk to us uh, a very simple message um that's titled everybody gets to do this. So look at your bill say everybody gets to do this. So we're going to talk about something all of us can do. Something that the Lord Jesus intended for everybody to do. Everybody to be involved. Everybody gets to do this. The Great Commission, you, uh, you and I are familiar with in Matthew 28, verses 18-20. through 20, Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe or do everything that I have commanded you and I'm with you always. So he gave them this great commission. You and I are familiar. The great commission is is based on, is founded on, is backed by the fact that all authority has been given to Jesus. He says, all authority is given to me, so I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. You know, that's the whole reason you and I are here. We're here to make and if you and I are not making disciples, you might as well go home. We're here to make disciples. That's why we're here. I know we have our jobs to work. We have our colleges to go to. We have families to take care of. And I know all of those things. But those things are part of our life here. Uh, but our life's mission is to make disciples. That's what he told us to do. That's why we're here. That's what we focus on and invest our time and efforts and make disciples of all nations. Part of making disciples, Jesus said... Teach them to do whatever I have commanded you. Meaning, his intent was that whatever he taught the first set of disciples, they were to pass it on to all the succeeding generations of disciples right unto this day. Do you agree with me? He says, whatever I've taught you, whatever I've commanded you, I want you to teach them to do the same thing. Part of what Jesus commanded his disciples, which was very clear in their minds, and unfortunately today, uh, because of too much of theology, it's become a blur, but hopefully it will clear up for many of us. Part of what Jesus commanded the disciples to do, his first disciples was, he said, I want you to preach the kingdom and, and what? And heal the sick. We go with me to Luke chapter 9 verses 1, 2 and 6. Luke chapter 9 verses 1, 2 and 6. We'll just skip the next slide. We'll go straight to Luke chapter 1 verses 1, 2 and 6. The Bible says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Verse 2, He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Two things he told them. He sent them to preach the kingdom and let's say it together so we get convinced. He sent them to preach the kingdom and heal the sick. 
So part of making disciples, he said, as you make disciples, teach them to do whatever I have commanded you. He commanded them. You preach the kingdom and heal the sick. And that's what they did. Verse 6 says, So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing. Healing everywhere. Meaning in the schools, in the colleges, in the corporate offices, in the boardrooms, in the elevators, in the parks, on the football field, on the tennis courts. They went preaching the kingdom and healing everywhere. Everywhere. That's what he commanded them. Amen. And he said, I want you to command your, the succeeding generations of disciples to do the same thing. Teach them to observe or do everything I've commanded you. I command you to go preach the kingdom and heal the. So now that command has come down to you and me. It's sitting on your lap. It's like Jesus saying, hey, you're my disciple. Preach the kingdom. Heal the. So, but, but Jesus, I'm not a pastor. That's okay. Are you a disciple? Yes or no? Preach the kingdom. Heal the. So, but I've never been to Bahama College. It's okay. Are you a disciple? Then you must preach the kingdom. Heal the. Do the supernatural. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Raise the dead. Do the works Jesus did. That's what he commanded for you and me. Amen? So here's what I want to present to you and me this morning. Everybody gets to do this. Everybody gets to share the gospel and to do the supernatural. Amen? Everybody gets to do this. Share the gospel and do the supernatural. You know, back in the 1960s, 1970s, when there was this, when God was, you know, just uh, reviving the healing ministry, the ministry of the healing evangelist to the body of Christ. And uh, there was the emergence of many great healing evangelists and some names you would recognize like Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne and A. Allen and Catherine Kuhlman and, 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 and many of these uh, ministers of God all around the world. In fact, in our own nation, God was raising up healing evangelists. They would have these great crusades and people would come by thousands and thousands to hear them and, and, and see the power of God at work. That was good and that is good and that is wonderful. But the drawback is the focus was on the person. So if you wanted to get healed, you go to A. Allen's meeting. If you want to get healed, you go to Oral Roberts. So you go, nowadays we have other healing evangelists. So you go to their meetings. But that was not God's intent. God, truly there are people whom God has graced and raised up to be wonderful, uh, to serve in this capacity as, as healing evangelists with the gifts of miracles and all of that. Surely that's there. But that's not God's intent alone. God's intent is that all of us do this. All disciples share the gospel and do the supernatural. We're called to a life like that. We are called to be naturally. You've learned this by now. We're called to be naturally supernatural. Meaning, I don't have to be spooky to be supernatural. I just be natural. And the supernatural just happens. It's my way of life. 
Because we are connected to a God who is supernatural. Amen? We don't have to act spooky spiritual. Ooh, God's coming. Everybody leaves the room. You know? <laughs> no, just be normal. God's in you. He's working through you. We're called to be naturally supernatural. You guys believe it? Amen? Now, someone say, okay, but, but why are you making this emphasis on the supernatural? I mean, after all, we've got all kinds of other signs to make people wonder. Like we've got all these flashing lights. I mean, you saw the concert, I mean, the, the conference we had in Mangalore, all the all those flashing color lights, the smoke screen, all of that. So we've got all these signs that make people wonder. So why do you want the supernatural? The reason you and I must be convinced, I mean, we're not against technology. We use a lot of technology. We're not against media and all of that. We use all of that. But these are only tools. Anybody can use it. Even the unsaved can employ the same tools. So anybody can use these tools. But, The works of God, the supernatural, the demonstrations of the power of God, which God wants to see happen through all of us, is very important. And I want you and I to see the importance Jesus gave to this. If you go with me to John chapter 5, you'd spend, look at a couple of passages in the Gospel of John. John chapter 5. The importance Jesus gave. To the works of the Father, the supernatural. John 5 verses 31 to 36. Jesus says this. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. If I blow my own trumpet, that doesn't mean anything. There is another who bears witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You've sent to John. That is, you've gone. You've, and he bore witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you are willing to, for a time to rejoice in his light. Verse 36, but I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you guys went and saw John and John was pointing back to me. And that's great, but I'm not impressed with the witness of man. He says, I have a greater testimony than John's. Who was John? He was the greatest Old Testament prophet. And Jesus is saying, I have a testimony that authenticates who I am that is more important than the testimony of John the Baptist. What does he say? Verse 36. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of. Now those you saying, look, these works that I'm doing, opening blind eyes, making deaf ears hear, dumb mouth speak, the lame walk, the dead rise, the devil's being cast out. The works that I'm doing, they are a greater witness than the testimony of the greatest Old Testament prophets. Amen. So the works are very important. Go to the 10th chapter of John, uh, verses 24 and 25. John 10, 24, 25. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. It's like, boss, you know, enough of all this. You know, Times of India is saying you are. Hindu is saying you are not. Deccan Herald doesn't know who you are. I'm like, boss, we're confused. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. What's his response? 
very next verse, John 10, he says, verse 25, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Listen, guys. I told you, and you don't believe. But look at the works. The works that I'm doing, what was he doing? Healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, doing all kinds of miracles. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. He skipped down a few verses there in chapter 10. And you look at verse 37 and 39. He says in verse 37. If I do not do the works of my father. Finish the sentence. If I do not do the works of my father. If I do not do the works of my father. Don't believe in me. Then he says in verse 38, but if I do, though you don't believe any sermons I preach, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in. How important are the works, the supernatural? Jesus said, if I don't do the works, don't believe me, don't take me seriously. I mean, what if our churches today put up a notice saying, if you don't see any healings and miracles, don't come back. I mean, our churches will be rather empty, you know. But that's what Jesus said. If I do not do the works of my father, don't believe. And he says the next verse, if you do not believe me, if you don't believe my brilliant sermon and all this presentation, all, but believe the works. Believe the works. How important are healings miracles how important is the supernatural to Jesus it was more important than his best sermon today unfortunately the church is depending on brilliant sermons to win people to Jesus but Jesus put it the other way he did the works and he said if I don't do the works don't believe anything I'm saying we need to get in line with who Jesus is he wants his works to be manifested amen I'm not against good sermons. We need to teach the word. We need to minister the word of God. But let's get it right. Let's do it the Jesus way. Instead of doing it. Somebody else's way. Amen. But now some of you might say. You know, we might say like. Oh, but pastor we are living in a very modern world. Where people are very intellectual. You know. Uh, they like to reason. And they like to talk and debate. All that's nice. But let me point you to two quick examples. And I'm jumping some slides. I'll come back here. This is probably towards the end. Nicodemus in John 3 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. Meaning he was a highly educated man. He was a, a, of the Sanhedrin, a, a scholar. And the Bible says in John 3 verses 1 and 2. That Nicodemus, a highly educated man. He comes to Jesus by night. Because he doesn't want people to know. That here an educated man is going to a carpenter. He comes to Jesus by night and he says, Master, I know that you are somebody sent by God because no one can do these miracles except God be with him. So he didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, 
I was listening to your sermon number 434 in series number 25 where you had this brilliant apologetics on who you are. He didn't come impressed by that. He said, I come to you because no man can do these miracles except God be with Look in Acts 13, Paul is on his very first missionary journey and he comes here and Barnabas, they come to this land called Paphos and there is a man named Sergius Paulus. I think it's verse 6 and verse 11 or verse 7 and verse 11. Uh, he's a governor, he's in charge, he's been put in there by the emperor Caesar himself to take care of the, that particular region called Paphos and Paul, Saul comes there and uh, uh, he's trying to preach Jesus to him and there is a, of course a, a sorcerer a man who was practicing witchcraft was trying to oppose Saul and you know the first miracle that Saul does in his missionary journey is not to make blind eyes see but his first miracle is to make seeing eyes blind so he looks at the sorcerer and he says you know God's hand is upon you and you'll be blind for a season his eyes go blind he's like what to do and the Bible says that Sergius Paul, Paulus, the Bible calls him a very intelligent man. He, seeing what was done, believed. The point I want to make is this. That even highly educated, highly intellectual people of their, their brain, even they recognize the power of God. That is the best defense for the gospel. Peter's apologia was not his arguments but his demonstrations of power because Peter was a highly uneducated man. So today we have the ministry of apologetics based on 1 Peter 3 but unfortunately Peter was an uneducated man. So his apologia was not his arguments, his apologia was a demonstration of healings and miracles by which he gave a defense for the gospel. I'm not against the ministry of apologetics. Don't get me wrong. I believe in discussing and I believe in, I, I will talk about that. But what I'm trying to say is, Jesus wants his church to be like him. Not like some man. He wants his works to be done through you and me. And every one of us get to do this. Amen. Let's go back to the 14th chapter of John. In John the 14th chapter. We'll go back to the works of the Father's light. Um, there in the 14th chapter, Jesus, is, you know, these disciples of Jesus in John 14 verse 1 to 12, the disciples of Jesus have been with him now for almost three years and Jesus is getting ready to make his exit. So he says, hey guys, uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm about to go, but don't worry. I'll go and prepare a mansion for you and I'll come again and receive you. Now, his disciples just want to make sure that he's going to come back. So they say, Lord, what's the address? Now, I mean, I know you're going to the Father's house, but what's the address? So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Philip is not convinced. He's like, okay, you're talking about the Father's house? I mean, we just want to be doubly sure. Show us the Father. Philip says, John 14, show us the Father. Jesus says, Philip. I've been with you for so long and how come you're asking me to show you the Father? Don't you understand from all that I've been teaching that if you see me, you've seen the Father. Because the Father and I are one and whatever he does, I do. Whatever he says, I say. The Father and I are one. 
and then to his own disciples to authenticate who he is to his own disciples who've been with him for the last three years almost. In John 14, 11, Jesus says, Believe me that I am the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works. Even to his own disciples, he says, Listen, if you want, to, want a certificate, a proof of who I am, the works I'm doing, they authenticate who I am. How important are the works? The doing of the miracles, the doing of the supernatural is very important. Amen? I don't think Jesus would have changed his theology for the modern day church. I don't think he would come here today and say, okay, you guys are the postmodern church. I mean, that was only for the book of Acts. I'm sorry, guys, I didn't give you enough instruction. For today's church, you don't need the works of the Father. You can do with good PowerPoint presentations, have a good worship, do the best organization, and that's enough to impact the world. I don't think he would change his theology if he came and preached to us today. Amen. He would say the same thing. The works that I do, they bear witness of me. And look at verse 12. In the very next verse of John 14, verse 12, he continued, he says, and listen, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will also do. And greater works because I go to the... In other words, he's saying, look, this thing about doing the works of the Father is not just for me. But for all believers across all time and all generations and all parts of the world, those who believe in me, they also will authenticate who I am by doing the works I'm doing and even greater. That's why we say everybody gets to do this. Every believer gets to do this. Amen? We all get to share the gospel. and We all get to do the supernatural. So next few moments, I want to just talk about some practical things on how to share the gospel and how to minister healing and miracles. And I want to encourage you to go do this wherever you are, in your school, your college, your classroom, your corporate office, out on the street, wherever you are, do this. Now, one of the reasons why we don't share the gospel is because we don't know exactly what to share. So I want to remind us of the four important points in sharing the gospel. It's called the four spiritual laws. You can do this in five minutes. Most of you already know it, but it's good to review. Point number one, the gospel in five minutes. The first point you and I need to share is that every man is a sin. All of us have sins. And you can use certain scriptures, Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23. Point number two, the consequences of sin. Our sin separates us from God. It separates us from God. It separates us from the blessings of God. So sin becomes a great barrier between man and God. And religion is man's best attempt to break this barrier. But it can't. Because God's a holy God. Third point in sharing the gospel. is about Christ's love and his work that he did for us. That God loved us so much. He sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. So God took care of this barrier. He broke this barrier. By Jesus Christ being the payment for our sins. And the fourth point, very simple. If you believe, you will be saved. That's it. So when you want to share the gospel, very simple. Just share these four points. And if you can remember these four points, all scriptures are taken from Romans. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, 1 
Romans 6, 23, Romans 5, 8, and Romans 10, 9, and 10. You just remember these things. It'll be so easy to share the gospel. Now, you know, when you're talking to a un- non-believer, don't give him chapter and verse. You tell him, Romans 3, 23. He'll be thinking about Rome, the Pope. He has no concept. What is Romans? So don't feel so proud. You know, I quoted Romans 3, 23. Doesn't make any sense to him. You could have, you know, you could have said McDonald's 3, 23, you know. So it's not about that reference. It's about the truth. The fact that all have sinned. Because he doesn't know what is Romans, what is Ephesians, Galatians. He doesn't know all that. And please speak in ordinary English. Don't speak in King James. I mean, <laughs> oh, the, the, the Lord says and suddenly you change. Thou who has sinned, goest to hellest. You know, like, he yeah, had no idea what he's saying. Speak in simple English. Right? So, simple thing. Just to share the gospel. Some other ways you can bring up the whole uh, sharing the gospel is to share your own salvation experience. Tell them, look, I was a sinner, man. I, I was doing all these things. But one day, uh, I heard about Jesus. I asked him into my life. He changed me. That's it. That's powerful. Or any other experience of divine encounter where maybe of divine intervention, maybe you were facing a problem. You prayed and the Lord answered and something happened. Share that. An experience of divine intervention. Amen? Now in sharing the gospel, you can take several approaches. One is you can ask questions. Ask people questions. I mean, uh, don't be afraid to let them do the talking and in the process share the gospel. It's not that you have to, you know, have uninterrupted speaking and start to finish. No. Let them ask. Ask questions. You could, uh, you could try the other approach. What's the other approach on the next slide? I forgot. Yeah. Prayer approach. They just, you know, maybe they have a need. They're going through a difficult, difficulty in life. Just go up to them and pray for them. You say, but will God answer prayer if I pray for the unsaved? Of course. Every person Jesus ministered to before the cross was unsaved. And they all got healed, right? So why are you hesitant? God will answer. So pray for them. And when they see a response to the prayer... It'll open up their heart to Jesus. Or take the power encounter approach, the third approach, meaning you're praying, say, Lord, what should I do? And the Lord may prompt you, go speak to that person. He may reveal something to you about that person's life. It was like, you know, Jesus was sitting there at, you know, one day he was sitting there at KFC. He was just waiting for his Coke to come. And here comes this woman wanting to order a Coke. And Jesus says, the Coke I give you will never make you thirst again. You know, that's a modern paraphrase. But you know, he was sitting at the well. She came to draw water from the well. And Jesus began a conversation. He said, you know, you're drawing water from this well, but I, I can give you water. They'll never make you thirst. I said, look, oh, oh Lord, where should I go? Should I go to KFC, McDonald's? Where do I get this Coke? You know, and Jesus says, And during that time, the Holy Spirit reveals something about her life. So he says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have any husband. She says, Jesus, yes. But the, you have had five husbands and the man you're living with is not your husband. That was like a thunderbolt. How does a stranger know this about my life? See, that's a word of knowledge that God gives you. And that's enough to lead a person to Jesus. Amen? So I want to encourage you to do this. You know, last Monday after we were coming, we were coming back by train uh, from Mangalore. So... After this urban youth conference, we're sitting in the train, coming back, it was like around 5, 5.30, I woke up, I couldn't sleep. I was just sitting there, and, and we were, I don't know, maybe two or three hours away from Bangalore. The train stopped in some place, and suddenly a lot of people got into the tra- compartment. 
I first I was very little upset. Now here I am, I'm just awake, I'm trying to put my mind on the Lord and all these people suddenly crowding. And then they come and sit on the seat next, right next to you. I'm like, I don't know if this is legal or not, you know. I don't know if they actually have a ticket or not. So one guy came and sat next to me. It's not his seat, it's my seat. But he's sitting next to me. So first I got a little upset. Then I said, Ashish, it's okay. Share the gospel. Okay. <laughs> See, sometimes you need to talk to yourself, you know. Get rid of the bad attitude, you know. So I said, hey, uh, what's your name? He gave me his name. He asked me my name. I asked him, what do you do? Uh, he said, you know, he's done his MBA. He's coming to Bangalore to do some work. Around. He asked me, what do I do? That's a good chance. He said, okay, I run a software company and I pastor a church. Now say that very nice and clear. Put it in. Now you say, pastor, you can do the, what can I say? You know, you say, I work at IBM and I volunteer at church. Put the church thing in. Why? You're being intentional about setting things up to share Jesus. Right? So do it on intent. I don't say, but I don't yet serve in church. Okay, at least say, you know, I work here and I support the church. <laughs> at least put that in somehow. So I put that in. So it's the same. Then my next question is, uh, have you been to church? See, I put it in intentionally because I'm getting ready to ask the next question. So I asked him, have you been to church? And he said, you know, uh, no, I've never been to church, but my friend has converted to become a Christian. He's converted. He's become a Christian. But I believe all gods are one. Okay, but now I have another hook. I ask him, so why did your friend convert to a Christian? See, I'm trying to lead up to share Jesus, right? So you've got to be intentional about it. Now, unfortunately, at that time, the ticket collector came <laughs> and chased him off, you know. So there goes my target and he's gone. But at least I, I don't know if any good will come out of it, but he was gone. And he chased off all these people. The ticket collector went. The train stopped at the next station. More people came in. And uh, then there was this young man who was standing right next to me. This time, I purposely made some space and I said, sit down. (laughs) He sat down there. So I said, okay, what's your name? He said, my name is Syed something. Immediately I knew he was a... See, it doesn't take intelligence to figure that out. (laughs) I am Syed. So I was about to share the gospel. I said, wait a minute. I don't know if this was the Holy Spirit or what it was, but I said, let me take a different approach. Let me ask him to start speaking. So I said, uh, Sayyid, uh, so he asked me who I am. So I told him, you know, I run a software company and I pastor a church. I put that in again on purpose. Put, set the context, you know, religion. So I asked him, Sayyid, uh, can you tell me something about Islam? Now I, I, I asked him sincerely because I wanted to know something about Islam. So he started telling me a lot of things about it, how he, you know, he has spent four years learning the Quran and he said he could read the Arabic, but he doesn't understand what it is. And he told me about how the, the mosques are organized and they have imams and uh, all those things. He was telling me all that. I was listening to him. Once he finished, I said, my next question. See, I'm asking questions, but leading up to share Jesus. So I asked him, Syed, uh, in Islam, do they tell you anything about personal salvation? So I'm not preaching the gospel. I'm only asking questions. So he said, personal salvation. I don't know, but what does it mean? Ah, now he has given me the opportunity to share Jesus with. It's not, I didn't force it. He asked me. I'm only answering his question. He asked me, what is personal? So I'm going to explain. So I started the Garden of Eden. They all understand Garden of Eden. So I said, you know, God made Adam and Eve, we sinned. So I was able very quickly to share 
the whole thing about what sin does and how Jesus came and, and I shared my own personal thing, you know, because he was talking about how as a young boy he was learning to read the Quran. I said, see, I was also a young boy and my teacher led me to Jesus but the important thing was my life changed. Now you're saying, I read the Quran, I don't understand what he's saying but for me, my life changed, you know. So in that few minutes, because he asked me the question, I was able to share with him the gospel, share with him my personal experience of salvation and I said, Ashish, just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Now, usually you would take it forward and say, would you like to bow your head and receive Jesus? You know? But I said, it's okay. You know, I'll leave it at that. And shortly thereafter, he got up and he, he had to go get down somewhere and all that. So he left. But the point is this. You don't have to always preach into their face. Simple questions will open up, will set the stage for you to share Jesus and your own personal Sometimes you may have the opportunity to lead them to believe in Christ. Sometimes it's okay. Just that seed is enough. God will work on it further. Amen. He may go away from your presence, but not from the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know what the fruit of that is, but I reached out. And you can do the same thing in your classroom. Wherever you are, reach out. Share Jesus. Amen. I want to share a few simple thoughts here on how to minister healing and miracles. You know, back in the mid-80s, early 80s, um, uh, John Wimber, who was a founder of the Vineyard Movement, and the Vineyard Movement brought up, did a lot of good to the body of Christ. Uh, and in those early 80s, John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement, uh, their whole focus was on equipping believers to do the supernatural. So they were moving away from what we saw in the 60s and 70s where there were the healing evangelists and everybody had to go to the evangelists. John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement were moving away from that and saying, look, let's equip believers to do the supernatural. And one of the nice things that came out of the Vineyard Movement is what we call as a five-step prayer model for healings and miracles. I'm not saying you have to follow this step by step, but it's a nice way to tell people how to pray and minister. We're going to go through it and then we're going to do it right here. So the first thing, suppose there is somebody who is hurting, the first do is to do the interview, you know. Where does it hurt? What is the problem? What do I need to pray for? So you find somebody, do that. Last weekend we were in Mangalore, we were going out distributing handbills. I saw a man walking and I saw him limping. So immediately I stopped him, he was a total stranger, I stopped him, I gave him the handbill, I said, we're having this urban youth conference, would you like to come? And I said, did you hurt your leg? Because I saw that. He said, yeah, I, he had an accident, he broke his leg, whatever. So the next question is, can I pray for you? And he was ready. This is out on the streets. Right? So the first question is this, interview. What is hurting? Where are, what's, what's the problem? What can I pray for? Next question is the diagnosis. It's to find out what is the root cause of this problem. Some physical problems or Things are because of natural reasons. You know, they're playing out in the rain. They had an accident, whatever. So their body's hurting, broke a bone, this, that. Some of it can be demonic because there are devils in spirits of infirmity that cause physical problems where deafness, blindness, and you find this all through the Gospels. There are spirits of infirmity. Sometimes it's a hard attitude, unforgiveness towards somebody has caused this to reside in them. Usually generally, and I'm not saying all the time, many times unforgiveness is connected to arthritis. People are suffering from arthritis, root cause, many times is unforgiveness, anger, hatred towards somebody. And the, if you don't deal with that, you usually can't get rid of that sickness. So many times these things are connected and, and you find that in the Bible as well when Jesus 
uh, was ministering to the man, was brought on the stretcher, the first thing he said was, son, your sins are forgiven. He dealt with the sin first. Now, this is not for everyone, but in that case, he dealt with the sin, then he ministered healing. So sometimes you need to address it. So the diagnosis, you're listening to the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, what is the root cause? Sometimes it's just a natural thing. It's okay. Just minister that. Sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a demonic thing. You've got to deal with the spirit there. The third step is a prayer selection. Once you found out what is the problem, what is the cause, the third thing is, how do I pray? There are many different ways to pray and minister healing. Sometimes you speak to the problem. Jesus said you speak to the mountain, tell it to move. So sometimes you speak to the bones, bones are commanded to heal. You speak to an organ. You speak uh, to the problem area of their body. You speak to it. Sometimes you rebuke the spirit. So you say, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit of infirmity, come out. Now don't get too hung up on what's the name of the spirit. No, the spirit's not going to leave because you got his name right. The spirit's going to leave because of the authority you carry. You know, so don't say, you spirit of some strange name and all that. Forget it, man. Doesn't impress the devil at all. So just say, spirit of infirmity. Are you devil that's causing this affliction? Very simple. You deal with that. So the prayer selection. Sometimes you might use a combination of these prayers. So uh, that's the third step. And the fourth one is a prayer ministry where Jesus taught us to watch and pray. That means when you're praying, you're also looking at what God is doing. So you ask the person, are you feeling better? Is something happening? What is the result? What is the effect of prayer? Right then and there. You're expecting something. Right? So you ask them, is anything happening? Are you getting better? Uh, uh, is, uh, you, know, you ask them what's going on. And then finally, once that happens, uh, the last step is to give them post-prayer suggestions. You say, okay, you know, the Lord has healed you. Now you need to open your heart to Jesus. Or now you need to come out of those sins. I mean, if someone was an alcohol and God heals him, uh, you know, delivers him. Says, okay, don't go back to that. Somebody goes on drugs, don't go back to that. Uh, sinful lifestyle, don't go back to that. You give them instructions on what to do so that they can maintain their healing. Can all of us do this? Very simple. You can do it anywhere. Amen? Everybody gets to do this. Everybody gets to share the gospel. Everybody gets to do the supernatural. We're going to take a few minutes to minister along this line. Father, we thank you that you do the works of God. Right now as you pray for people, we take authority over every sickness, every disease, every devil of sickness and infirmity. We command you to leave in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of infirmity, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. Command healing in the name of Jesus. Command tumors to dissolve and go down. Growths to disappear. I command it to disappear from their bodies in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. We command sinuses to be healed and sinuses to open up completely and be permanently healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just command addictive behaviors to be broken in the name of Jesus. Every devil that enslaves people, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I command people to be delivered of addictions in the name of Jesus. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.